0: Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's word. It's Monday, June 8th, 2020, and today we're continuing our study on the book of Ezekiel. And today we are going to look specifically at Ezekiel chapters 8 through Ezekiel chapter 11. And as we look at these chapters today, we see ultimately man's rebellion and God's wrath. This is a huge passage before us which shows us man's rebellion and God's wrath. These passages are sobering and they're chilling. The passages show us the depravity and rebellion of man coupled with the holiness and wrath of God. As we look at Ezekiel chapter 8, verse 10 through 12 says this, So I, being Ezekiel, went in and saw, and there engraved on the wall all around was every form of creeping things and loathsome beast and all the idols of the house of Israel. And before them stood 70 men of the elders of the house of Israel, with Jezaniah the son of Shaphan standing among them. Each had his censer in his hand among them. And the smoke of the cloud and the incense went up. Then he said to me, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel are doing in the dark, each in his room of pictures? For they say, The Lord does not see us. The Lord has forsaken the land. He said also to me, You will see still greater abominations that they commit. You see, but elders and rulers of Jerusalem were so caught up in themselves, their idolatry, their sin, and their self-indulgence, that they had convinced themselves that God did not see them. They believed that they were beyond judgment and above the law of the Lord. And beloved, even as we start looking at these passages, I I can't help but believe that God in his sovereignty, when we talked about over a year ago being in Ezekiel during this time, we had no idea what would be going on in the nation of the United States of America or around the world. And I feel very unqualified to even begin to speak about the events that we have seen unfold over 2020 and specifically over the last months and weeks but we literally have a church as a people and as a nation that has lost the idea that all people are created in the image of God. On Memorial Day, one police officer, Derek Chauvin, placed his knee on the neck of a handcuffed man with little to no remorse or worry. George Floyd died because he had potentially written a bad check. We must realize that racism is one of those sins of supremacy where we have convinced ourselves that the Lord does not see the attitude of our hearts, our minds, or the actions that we take. Beloved, we need to know that the Lord sees when Ahmaud Aubrey is gunned down while jogging in South Georgia. The Lord sees when George Floyd is being smothered for maybe writing a bad check. And the Lord sees the violence that is going on in our land. He sees it and he will judge us for our superiority, our idolatry, our racism, and our pride. You see, beloved, and even as we see what has happened to Ahmad and George over the last several months... There, there, there is justice being done because there was a video. We have tricked ourselves into thinking that if man does not see, that God also does not see. That what a man cannot look at, that God cannot look at. And from Scripture, we know that is absolutely untrue. God lays us bare. He sees it all. He sees every thought of our mind. He sees every action of our heart. He sees the racism that and the superiority that we have. He sees the idolatry that we have. He sees the worship of other gods that we have. He sees the way that we idolize our stuff and and we idolize our position. He sees our hearts. In Ezekiel chapter 8, the truth of the matter is that the elders, the leaders, the spiritual leaders believe that they could hide from the presence of God and that they could do in darkness things that would be unspeakable. But, beloved, God sees those things. And one of the reasons that, that our nation has, has even erupted in looking at racism and, 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 and privilege and superiority the way that we have is because the question that I've been left with as I watch Ahmaud Aubrey's video and him being gunned down while he is out for a run, as I have watched George Floyd absolutely uh, suffocate to death under the weight of, a, of an officer that had no remorse— a question that runs through my mind and, and as a as a white person that I know has to run through the the, the minds of my dark-skinned brothers and sisters and, and and those among us who have more pigment and melatonin in their skin is what else has happened when the cameras weren't on? Maud Aubrey will have justice. George Floyd will have justice, but only because there was a video. And we have fooled ourselves into thinking in the same way that we can hide from God. But, beloved, I want you to know man is rebellious. Man is sinful. Man is disobedient. And God is holy. And he will bring judgment. And he will bring wrath. We cannot hide from the gaze of God. And that's the progress we see in these four chapters in this revelation from the Lord is that man is sinfully sick. He is rebellious, and God is holy and will avenge his great name. So before we go further, I feel led to pray that the Lord would use these scriptures. He would use this time to illuminate in our lives the sin that we believe is hidden, the sin that we so are so culpable for but believe no one knows about. Let's pray because we know that God knows. Father God, I I pray that over these next few minutes that you would illuminate Ezekiel chapter 8 through 11 in ways that you've never illuminated before. Lord, use this speaker in ways that, that can I cannot even begin to imagine, that I cannot even begin to, to think. Lord, these are your words. These are your ideas. This is your vision, and you use it to convict hearts and minds and souls, and not just of others, but of mine as well. Lord God, we give this word to you. Proclaim it, God. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So we have four chapters, and I want us to see four points which show us the flow of man's rebellion and God's wrath. In chapter 8, and and really the chapters are our points, chapter 8 starts with the first point. The Lord sees and knows every meditation of our hearts. The Lord sees and knows every meditation of our hearts. Thinking the Lord cannot see you is one thing, but not caring if he does is another. The people in Jerusalem were wrong, dead wrong. The Lord could see all they were doing, and he was going to stop them. But the truth of the matter is, it wasn't just that they thought they could hide from God. They had come to the place of not even caring if God saw them. Beloved, that is a horrible place to be. Man is sinfully rebellious when we don't even care if God sees our acts. We don't even care if he's looking down upon our sins. David says in Psalm 139, this, this psalm about the intimacy of God knowing us. And, and, and David really even compares in Psalm 139 that, yes, it's a wonderful thing to be known by God, but it's also a dreadful thing to be known by God. Because the thing is, God knows us better than anyone else. He knows the thoughts of our mind. He knows the actions of our hearts. He knows the things that we do in secret. Beloved, you cannot outrun the gaze of God. You may think that in the silence of the night, when you are looking at something you shouldn't be looking at, or thinking about something you shouldn't be thinking about, or, or scheming in your heart for, for gain, or scheming in your heart for trickery or scheming in your heart for lies or deceit. You may think that you are innocent because no one sees you, but the God of all heaven sees you and his gaze is fixed upon you. Oh, the presence of God is a dreadful thing and a glorious thing. That's what David says in Psalm 139, starting in verse 11. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark for you. The night is bright as the day. For the darkness is as light with you. What does this mean, beloved? In the darkness of our home, when we are committing heinous acts in our hearts and our minds and and with our thoughts and with our eyes, God sees us. The darkness is as light. Our deeds are exposed. And in this vision, God's Spirit lifts Ezekiel and carries him to Jerusalem, to the entrance of the inner gate that faces north. Ezekiel saw the glory of God of Israel there. And as he has drawn closer and closer to the most holy place, Ezekiel is shown detestable acts that increase in wickedness. Worship is being offered by men and women, leaders and lay people, but none of it to the God of heaven, none of it to Yahweh. Ezekiel chapter 8, starting in verse 3. Through six, it says, He put out the form of a hand and took me by the lock of my head, and the Spirit lifted me up between earth and heaven and brought me in visions of God to Jerusalem, to the entrance of the gateway of the inner court that faces north, where was the seat of the image of jealousy, which provokes to jealousy. And behold, the glory of God of Israel was there, like the vision that I saw in the valley. Then he said to me, Son of man, lift up your eyes now towards the north. So I lifted up my eyes towards the north, and behold, north of the altar gate, in the entrance was the image of jealousy. And he said to me, Son of man, do you see what they are doing? The great abominations that the house of Israel are committing here to drive me far from my sanctuary. Do you see? But you will see still greater abominations. The Lord is showing Ezekiel that those who should be in the temple worshiping God were driving his presence far from the sanctuary. They were worshiping idols. They were worshiping themselves. They were worshiping their superiority, but they were not worshiping God. And those in Jerusalem sought protection from other gods, verses three and verses five. They offered incense to every God that they could dare think of, verses 9 through 11. They mourned the non-death of a non-God, verse 14, when it says that they brought me to the entrance of the north gate of the house of the Lord, and behold, there set women weeping for Tammuz, a false God, a non-God. They are weeping for the non-death of a non-God. They turned their backs to the Lord's temple and their faces to the east and bowed down to worship the sun, verse 16. On top of all of this, they were even filling the land with violence, verse 17. The people in Israel did as they pleased with no fear of the Lord and no fear of consequences. (laughs) Before we think it's just them, right? It's just that worldly people. No, God shows Ezekiel. It was 70 elders and the leader, the son of Shaphan. Instead of leading the people to repentance and restoration with God, instead of leading them to worship of Yahweh, they were leading people away from God. Instead of questioning their own faithfulness, They question God's faithfulness. And then the scariest verse of chapter 8 is verse 18. It says, Therefore I will act in wrath. This is the Lord speaking. My eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. Now listen to this. This is not what you want to hear from the voice of God. And though they cry in my ears with a loud voice, I will not hear them. We see that God will no longer listen to the people. They're getting what they asked for. They didn't want the presence of God. They, they wanted to hide from the presence of God. They wanted to cast God out from the sanctuary. Their debauchery was so much. They did not want God's presence, but, but they got what they asked for. And beloved, we get what we ask for. Even when we ask God to go away, even when we try to hide from his presence, even when we try to do things in the dark says the the worst thing here is that God no longer listens to them. He's going to part from his sanctuary. Beloved, God sees it all, and we can never hide from his presence. Oh, we can try. We can think we do, but we can never hide. Oh, beloved, we are so tricked into thinking That if we don't live out our acts on social media, if we don't live out our acts uh, in front of people, if we're not caught, that it didn't happen. But the truth of the matter is, you are caught the moment you sin because you're caught by the only one that matters in your sin. Our sin is not against man. Our sin is against a holy God. Man is rebellious. Man is sinfully sick. And God is holy and he is vengeant. And he will bring his wrath to bear. And this draws us to chapter 9 and our second point, and that God will discipline detestable sin, but he will deliver those who seek him. You see, the second point is that God will discipline detestable sin, but he will deliver those who seek him. This chapter is severe judgment by a holy God. While it's deadly and difficult, it can also lead us to gratitude for and the proclamation of the gospel. You see, Ezekiel 9 is not one that you're going to hear on most podcasts. It's not something you're going to hear on a a Bible promises for you today. You're not going to see many verses out of Ezekiel chapter 9 for an encouragement. Ezekiel 9 is all about the wrath of God, the discipline of God, the judgment of God. In Ezekiel 9, we are taught afresh that God will not let sin go unpunished forever. Most likely what Ezekiel saw in the vision is six men, would have been invading countries in reality, Babylon in particular. God disciplines those who do what is detestable in his sight. Even older women and little children are punished. And we must remember as we read this chapter that God never punishes an innocent person. Why? Because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all been detestable. We have all been insolent. We have all been disobedient. Jerusalem And the judgment of God was not full of victims, but it was full of sinners. That's why Ezekiel chapter 9, starting in verse 9, says this, Then he, the Lord, said to me, The guilt of the house of Israel and Judah is exceedingly great. The land is full of blood and the city full of injustice. For they say the Lord has forsaken the land and the Lord does not see. As for me, my eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. I will bring their deeds upon their head. How dreadful! God is going to bring our deeds upon our head. There will be judgment. There will be reckoning. He will not last forever. He will execute his justice. God is not doing something strange in this passage. He is doing what he told them he would do. In in Leviticus chapter twenty-six, verses fourteen through thirty-three, God says, "If you fall away from me, if you if you disobey me, I will punish." He is punishing sin. God is not doing something strange. He's doing what He promised. He's punishing sin, and it's a sad day when God's judgment is more surprising than His grace. How many times have we looked around during this COVID-19 pandemic and go, God, how in the world can You be gracious and allow this to happen? We we look around and we see the violence on our streets and we say, God, how in Your goodness can You allow this to happen? Truth of the matter is, we have a very low view of our sin, we have a very low view of our depravity, and we have a very low view of our contribution. It's a sad day when God's judgment is more surprising than his grace. God is exercising his sovereign right to withhold mercy and instead to repay his people's rebellion with his wrath. It would be a mistake to consider God's judgment in this passage and think we deserve any less. as we we look at the events of this chapter, may we understand that it's by God's goodness, it's by God's grace, it's by His unmerited favor. Grace is not good if it is deserved. Mercy is not free if it is deserved. God's unmerited favor is where His grace comes from. And so our question when we see COVID-19 When we see violence on our streets, when we see the vitriol in our world, and we start to see God's judgment, our real question could be, God, how in the world could you be so gracious? And even more tragic, as we see these events of this chapter, would be if we just sit silent to the gospel. The wonder in this passage is not that so many are being disciplined, but that any would be delivered. The conditions so far of 2020 are racist murders, brutality, rioting, sickness. Why would we think we deserve God's grace when our hands are so dirty? And beloved, when we realize our depravity, when we realize our sin, when we realize our sin sickness, when we realize our rebellion, May we not sit silent, but may we preach the gospel. Because you see, the Lamb of God took all of our sickness, all of our shame, all of our depravity, all of our rebellion. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God came and he took upon himself our sin, our rebellion, our shame, our misery, and he took our judgment. At the cross, it was not the pain that was brutal, the physical pain that was brutal to Christ. It was the spiritual pain as his father had to turn his back on his son because our shame, our sin, our rebellion, our nastiness was placed upon the body of Christ. Oh, but death could not hold him. The grave could not contain him. Oh, there is victory. And we must preach this gospel. We can't read these passages And not preach the gospel. Ezekiel chapter 9, verses 3 and 4 shows us God's miraculous grace even amidst the bloodshed. It says, Now the glory of the God of Israel had gone up from the cherub on which it rested to the threshold of the house. And he called to the man clothed in linen who had the writing case on his wrist. And the Lord said to him, Pass through the city, through Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations that are committed in it. Despite rampant idolatry, and depravity, despite men trying to do things in quote-unquote secret, despite the the worship of idols and the worship of non-gods, despite pushing God's presence away, there is still a remnant that is being preserved before the departure of the glory of God. As severe as the Lord's discipline is, nothing is more tragic than his departure. In Ezekiel chapter 9, the Lord begins to move his glory away from those who moved away from him. God's pregnant presence signifies his blessing, while his departure signifies his judgment. And so as Christ followers, we're called to speak out against sin and to lead people towards the gospel of Christ. We are called to make this glorious gospel known to the remnant that are being marked for his salvation. You see, doing and saying nothing, being apathetic while others engage in rebellion towards God is never a loving action. Our apathy towards injustice is not loving. Our lack of speaking the gospel to those who are perishing is hatred, and it is vitriol. Apathy is not just inaction; it is the worst type of action because it's telling those who are in midst in rebellion and those who are the victim of the rebellion, we don't care. But we have a God. That while we were in the midst of rebellion, while we were in the midst of sin, while our righteous acts were but filthy rags, he listened. He was not apathetic, but he came. We should pray and ask God to put a distaste for sin in our lives and to break our hearts for what breaks his. Sin and rebellion are evident. God's wrath and judgment are real. And we must preach the gospel in word, action, and deed because as we see in the next progression of chapter 10 is the third thing, and that is that our God is a consuming fire. The presence of God, as we said, is a sign of his favor, whereas the absence of God is a sign of his rejection. Deuteronomy chapter 4, starting in verse 29, says, but from where From there you will seek the Lord your God and you will find him if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. When you are in tribulation and all these things come upon you in the latter days, you will return to the Lord your God and obey his voice. For the Lord your God is a merciful God. He will not leave you or destroy you or forget the covenant with your fathers that he swore to them. God removed his presence and began to consume Jerusalem with his consuming fire and judgment. Ezekiel chapter 10. Starting in verse 1, it says, Then I, Ezekiel, looked, and behold, on the expanse was over the heads of the cherubim, and there appeared above them something like sapphire, and the appearance like a throne. And he said to the man, clothed and linen, Go in and among the whirling wheels underneath the cherubim. Fill your hands with burning coals from between the cherubim, and scatter them over the city. And he went in before my eyes. Now the cherubim were standing on the south side of the house when the man went in and a cloud filled the inner court and the glory of the Lord went up and the cherub to the threshold of the house and the house was filled with the cloud and the court was filled with the brightness of the glory of the Lord. And the sound of the wings of the cherubim was heard as far as the outer court like the voice of God Almighty when he speaks. And when he commanded the man clothed in linen, take fire from between the whirling wheels and from between the cherubim, he went in and he stood beside a wheel. Now oh, you see, beloved, God is going to rain down his judgment. He's going to rain down coal, his fire, his consuming fire among the sins of the people. Our God is a consuming fire. His presence is a consuming fire. Who can see the presence of God? Who can be in the presence of God like this and live? God is bringing his presence not to, not to wipe away the tears, but to execute his judgment, to rain coals down upon them. You see the glory of God. You see the holiness of God in chapter 10. And you understand that because we are rebellious and because God has to have his wrath, that our God is a consuming fire. God had removed his presence of peace, and he began to consume Jerusalem with his consuming fire of judgment. And this brings us to our fourth progression, as we see in chapter 11. And that is that being a son receiving severe discipline is far better than being without him in the midst of disobedience. Being a son receiving severe discipline is far better than being without him in the midst of disobedience. I tell my children all the time, my discipline may not be pleasant, but joy will come in the morning. I discipline them because I love them. I discipline them because they are mine. I discipline them because I have a responsibility before God to guard their soul, to guard their life, and to guard their minds. I discipline my children out of love. I don't go down the street to someone else's children and discipline them in the same way because they're not my children. So even though as God's children we may receive severe discipline, oh, it is far better than being without him in the midst of disobedience when his judgment comes. Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 15 says, Son of man, your brothers, even your brothers, your kinsmen, the whole house of Israel, all of them are those of whom the inhabitants of Jerusalem have said, Go far from the Lord. To us this land is given as a possession. You see, the pervasiveness of sin has led the leaders of Jerusalem to want the possession of the land and the blessings of God apart from the presence of God. They want the blessings. They want the stuff. But they do not want the presence of God. That is the true mark of idolatry we want the things of god but we do not want the presence of god these are sobering words when they say go far from the lord the leaders are telling the people go far from the lord but yet i will give you this possession the people have put their place in a place of superiority in a place of privilege and this unfortunately beloved, is what happens in the United States of America through racism. When people don't want apart from God, they, 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 they scorn that God created all men, women, no matter the pigment or melanin in their skin, in his image. They are his image bearers. Oh, but we turn a blind eye. Too many times when our churches preach about racism, it's the white folks like me that step up and say, we are tired of hearing it. We're not racist anymore. It's, it's the moment that we, we justify things. George Floyd was, was, was brutally murdered on the streets of Minneapolis, maybe because he wrote a bad check. That justice can never be done now. Who knows what, what really happened? But I watched as brothers and sisters tried to find all the good things about George Floyd before they would speak out against his death. The truth of the matter is when we see God's image bearers dying on the streets... We, we need the presence of God. We need to beg for the presence of God. But we have put our superiority, we have put our privilege, we have put our stuff, we have put our things, and we have put the idolatry of self over and beyond the presence of God, who says all men and women are created in the image of God. Those who have looted our streets are made in the image of God. And they, they cannot outrun His grace. Then Ezekiel chapter 11, verse 21, we, we see this. It says, but as for those whose heart goes after the detestable things and their abominations, I will bring their deeds upon their own heads, declares the Lord. But they would not be preserved because they warred against the presence of the Lord. You see, you can outrun God's grace, but if you push away against his presence, if you deny him, then he will put your deeds back on your head. And then ultimately God will humble those with inflated egos Ezekiel chapter 11 starting in verse 7 Therefore thus says the Lord God you're slain whom you have laid in the midst of it They are the meat, and this city is the cauldron, but you shall be brought out of the midst of it. You have feared the sword, and I will bring the sword upon you, declares the Lord God, and I will bring you out of the midst of it, and give you into the hands of foreigners, and execute judgments upon you. You shall fall by the sword. I will judge you on the border of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord Yahweh, his covenant name. This city shall not be your cauldron, nor shall you be the meat in the midst of it. I will judge you at the border of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord, for you have not walked in my statutes, nor obeyed my rules but have acted according to the rules of the nations that are around you. Were it not for God's grace, we would be no different. We would be full of ourselves, full of confidence, self-confidence, and full of sin. We would make wrong assessments based on our own wisdom, and all the while spew religious speech from our mouths. We would not only be self-deceived, but also lead others in deceit. But thankfully, God rescues us from ourselves. In seeing Him rightly, we see everything else more clearly including ourselves. We see the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, the wrath and the judgment of God. We begin to see God's grace more sweetly. But then there's a shift. These passages have been driven by God's holiness. God's holiness and, 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 and His glory of His name have brought in judgment and wrath. But then it enters God's miraculous and undeniable grace and mercy. He would renew those who were exiled from Jerusalem. Starting in verse 17 of Ezekiel chapter 11. Therefore say, thus says the Lord God, I will gather you from the peoples and assemble you out of the countries where you have been scattered and I will give you the land of Israel. And when they come there, they will remove from it all its detestable things and all its abominations. And I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh, that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. God is going to give them one heart and put a new spirit within them. He will remove their heart of stone from their bodies and give them a heart of flesh. The result will be that God's people will follow his statutes and keep his ordinances. He will not only empower them to do his will, but also to desire it. And after all this occurs, God says, oh, the most beautiful thing. People who are sin sick, people who are rebellious, they will be my people and I will be their God. This is the whole point of the Lord's discipline, the discipline of his sons leading us back to the heart of God. Even in exile, God's people were incapable of cleansing themselves or changing their ways. If God had waited on his people to realize the gravity of their rebellion on their own sin, they would have never repented. Even though they had gone away from him, God chose still to pursue them and meet them in their worst state. He did all of that he did all that was necessary to forever change them and to change us. You see, beloved, the gospel is not a message of cleaning yourself up and doing something to get God's attention. The gospel is not about us working our way to heaven. The gospel is the news that Christ left heaven to live among, atone for, and rescue the exiles, all that God expects from us. He provides for us in Christ. And beloved, this progression of man's rebellion and God's wrath reminds us of us of our desperation for the gospel and our desperation to make it known. So as we see the judgment and the wrath of God in this passage, may we resolve today to make the gospel of King Jesus known, to preach that gospel to those who are perishing, because it is only by God's grace and by God's gospel that we can stand. Well, thanks for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. This week, we are praying for the country of Ethiopia. We're praying for the country and its leaders as they navigate the COVID-19 pandemic. We also pray for the country and its leaders as they reevaluate adoption laws and inter-country adoption. We pray for our unadopted partners and, and other opportunities in the country of Ethiopia. We pray for the waiting children in Ethiopia. We pray for their health, their safety, and most importantly, their hearts. We pray for families who were once in the Ethiopian process as they continue to pray through their next steps. We pray for families in the post-adoption phase as well. And we praise the Lord for families who are still committed to Ethiopia and the children there, even after the closure of intercountry adoption. Let's pray that the church in Ethiopia would rise up and make the gospel known. Let's pray. Father God, the bloodshed of our sin is on our hands. We cannot hide from your presence. We cannot outrun your gaze. We cannot be in darkness that is thick enough, that is not but light to you. God, I pray that we would weep with those that weep. We would lament with those that mourn. We would repent in sackcloth and ashes. Lord, for far too long, superiority and privilege have staked the nation of the United States. And Lord, we see it also around the world, classes of people that are cast down and cast aside and are oppressed. We even see it in the orphan, where many times the orphan is cast aside and oppressed because they do not have the protection of the family. God, I pray that we would return to you, that we would seek your face, we would seek your presence, and God, that you would give our you would replace our heart of stone with a heart of flesh. And Lord God, that you would say over us, they will be my people and I will be their God. Father, we pray for the country of Ethiopia. We pray for its leaders as they look over how to best care for their people during this COVID-19 pandemic. We also pray for the leaders as they look to reevaluate adoption laws and intercountry adoption. We pray for our team that is caring for those uh, That are unadopted, and for all of the orphans who are at risk in Ethiopia, God, would you surround them with your love? Would you keep them healthy? Would you give them safety? And Lord God, would you whisper your gospel to their hearts? Lord, we thank you so much for families that were committed to Ethiopia, and we pray that they would stay committed to this country and they would seek for ways to show your gospel to orphans in distress. And Lord God, as well, we pray that your gospel would go forth in Ethiopia. We pray that your gospel would be made known. We pray your gospel would would reign. We pray your gospel and your goodness would envelop this country. God, envelop us with your presence. Envelop us with your peace. Lord, forgive us of our iniquity. Forgive us of our sin. We seek you, the one and only God. It's in your great name that we pray, the name of Jesus. Amen.